Good morning. I think when Brother John was saying we have lots of time this morning, I was thinking maybe we have to shorten it. But what do you think, Tim? Is it is it hotter than African style here, or what? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> Open the windows. <laughs> get some air moving, right? <laughs> Just thought if you get sleepy or need some air, don't be afraid to stand up and walk around a little bit if you if you need to. Not that we want everyone to just walk around here, but um, there is a new unit scheduled for May. It's still May, and it's not on yet, so uh, we have some hope yet. Yeah, well, this is Mother's Day. This is the day for the hand that rocks the cradle, rules the world. This is the day for behind every great man is a great woman. And this is the day where John usually has a Mother's Day message. But this time it's me. So (laughs) I remember many messages that Brother John had. But that is the first time that's for me for a Mother's Day message. Even though I plan to speak to the mothers, it is applicable to all of us, even if you're not a mother, you don't have children, or you're not female. This, I think you'll find a lot of applications, and you can gain inspiration and encouragement from God's Word. And so, um, we're going to have a passage this morning. We can turn to Proverbs 31. Chapter 31, we're starting at verse 10, a very familiar passage there. I thought about paintings this morning. Actually, we're going to have messages about excellent. The first message was on the more excellent way. This morning, the title is The Portrait of an Excellent Woman. And I uncovered these pictures to give us as an illustration. This is the one I like best, but I thought I should have one over by the ladies since it's about them. But just look at this picture here. It's a portrait And the painter, as he envisions, as he draws this thing, he has in mind what he wants to draw and he adds detail. And um, you can see this man, uh, his name is actually here, his name is Moses Dessinger, Dessinger, I'm not sure if I say it, Dessinger. And he is a rebel. He got the stick, he's fighting the dog. You can see the other dog heard it and is running across the street. You can see all that detail just by looking at a picture. Well, the picture is actually divided in half. The man gets converted and he's going to church with his wife. Well, actually not with his wife. He's following her. I'm not sure why. Maybe he has a reason for it. Uh, you can see that it is um, probably the middle of summer. The sun is going down in the west. This, this is a street that goes almost directly west. It's in Schaeferstown. And the sun is going down north of west, which means it's in the middle of the summer or June, July. And, of course, you can see the greenery. And the longer you spend looking at the picture, the more detail you will get out of it. The cobblestone, the sidewalk, the grass. Over here, I thought of those two men up there. They're working together. One's putting the board up. The other one's trying to place it. And there's another one building trusses. And if someone knows anything about horses, they could tell a whole lot of things about that that I don't know. I don't know horses what I can tell you is that is a farm cart. It is not a fashion buggy. You can tell that by looking at that cart. It's, a, it's a, like a pickup. And you can get more detail. But a, uh, but a picture, a quality painting has lots of detail as you look at it. You know, I thought we have a book at home of Norman Rockwell. You hardly heard of Norman. Um, He's a genius in taking a social moment and capturing it. I, I thought of a few. I thought of the, the doctor that the little girl brings her doll to the doctor, and the doctor is, is checking the doll's heart. And you can look at all over the picture, and there's just so much in there. Or uh, the picture of a, 
of a tramp sitting on some kind of a bucket, upside down bucket, roasting two wieners, and his dog is just waiting for it to be done. You can see it's cool. You've got some leaves there. It's fall's coming. Um, just a lot of detail. Proverbs 31 is actually a portrait of words. God uses words to paint a picture in our mind. And it's beautifully done. It's full of imagery and it's loaded with detail. We could have a discussion. A picture is worth a thousand words. But you can actually get a clearer, more defined picture with words than you can with, than you can with a portrait. I don't have any examples, but, uh, I know that you, if you use the right words, you can provoke an image in your mind that you can never draw on a picture. So anyhow, here we have a portrait and take for instance verse 14. It's, she is like a merchant ship. She bringeth her food from afar. Just take that phrase, and what does that do to your mind? It gets your mind going. It's talking about food. It's talking about, um, back in the time it was written, of course you had, uh, you, you had, uh, ships would bring food from other areas. But put it in today's culture. She brings her food from afar. She is she's the one who provides the food for the household. She goes shopping, actually. You know, it's a good thing to go shopping, ladies. I know ladies have a name of, of shopping, but it's good to be a good shopper. Proverbs 31. Some might wonder, is this picture actually realistic? I know my wife and I had a discussion about this already. Proverbs 31, the idealism in this chapter, is it actually realistic? Or is it more like a Thomas Kincaid picture? You know how those pictures look like, a portrait. It's a typical picture would have a cottage with light shining out the windows. Alongside a stream that obviously never floods. You got some wildlife. You got a forest. You got mountains. You got a surreal, idealistic, sort of like a Garden of Eden picture. That's how he paints. And some might wonder, Proverbs 31 actually looks a little bit like that to me. Such an idealism. Her candle goeth not out by night. How's that for idealism? Impossible. Well, she is an unusual woman. Verse 29, uh, I'm just going to take a few verses out of here as we talk about them, but verse 29 says, Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. So, thirty-one, chapter 31, this portrait of a woman is a picture or a portrait of a very unusual woman. It's actually unusual distinction of character in this portrait. But let's just imagine that you, as a mother, you don't quite meet that portrait that you have in Proverbs 31. Well, there's room for you in here because it says, Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. So if you're not the one that excels them all, you don't put yourself in that category. Let's put yourself in... Many daughters have done virtuously. And you can put yourself there if you feel like you can't meet the uh, idealism in the chapter. Maybe you don't excel or surpass everyone like this woman evidently did, but many daughters have done virtuously. Many mothers are able and capable in their occupation. There are many mothers here who have depth of character and have vision. There's many here that know that favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. There's many here that know that as a fact. So, I want to, this morning, just simply acknowledge you 
and encourage you in your career. Your career as a godly wife and a mother. So let's look at this portrait of an excellent woman. And the first point that I have here is an excellent woman is supportive of her husband. And we'll read verses 11 and 12. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that she had no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Last Sunday afternoon, we had Alex Marini at our house. And he had ran, he ran the Boston Marathon 20, 25 years ago. He said there were 10,000 people ran that marathon when he ran it. And they all started at the same time. 10,000 people, uh, so wide and so deep. How are you going to run in a group of 10,000 people? Well, you don't have to worry. After about two miles, it begins to thin out. After five miles, it's a little thinner. How far do you have Eldon to your, from your house to here? How many miles? Huh? 30? Okay. Boston Marathon is 26 miles. So... Uh, if you're, it doesn't matter where you're at, whether you're fast or whether you're slow, it's this thing, after a time, it thins out. Well, we think of all the mothers, all the wives, there's millions of them. Well, let's take this one as a, as a criteria. She will do him good and not evil. All the days of her life. Immediately, there is a major thinning out of the women. With half of the marriages failing in the United States, and with many, many marriages that struggle, that don't fail, there you end up with a quite a thinning out. Of the many millions, there's a quite a thinning out of ladies. In fact, the woman who can live with you and me and still be loyal and trustworthy and faithful and maybe even encouraging uh, thins out pretty, 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 pretty radically. But I trust that in this room it's not that thin. In society, the runners that are out front in this area get pretty sparse. But I trust in this area, in this room, it's not that way. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her. You know, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And the heart of her husband does safely trust in her. I grew up on a dairy farm, and there was a certain milk tank, bulk milk tank manufacturer that had a slogan. It said, it's like putting money in the bank, was the slogan, if I remember right. In other words, you buy our milk tank. When the milk goes into that tank, this is such a reliable tank, it's like money in the bank. It will not fail. It's faithful. You can safely trust to put your milk into this tank because I will take care of it, so to speak, the tank. Well, for this portrait of a godly woman that we see here in the Word is, is the husband can safely trust in his wife. He has full confidence in her. Her careful household management Enhances the family's financial well-being. This kind of a woman is an asset and not a liability. She supports and encourages him 
and she is faithful in helping him all her life. John D. Martin, I remember years ago, they went to jail regularly. I don't know if they still do or not. But he went to a, to a men's jail, and he was telling them, I don't know, telling them anything. But anyhow, he, one of the things he said is the, women, the men there could not comprehend that John D. Martin could leave his home in the evening, go away, and have not a ounce of concern that anything will happen at home that is out of order. The men cannot comprehend that. That you don't have to worry about that. You know, I remember, I remember uh, getting a babysitter to come into our home and take care of our children or dropping our children off at a babysitter and my wife and I are leaving and we're wondering, we hope it goes okay. But the confidence level was not quite 100%. And sometimes that actually was realistic. But for this wife, her husband's heart has full confidence. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her. He does not need to worry. He has not a doubt in his mind. When he's away from home, it's going to go well. She will be there when he gets home. She won't overspend her time. Overspend, I said, on the phone or Facebook or a book and neglect her duties. He doesn't have to worry that she's going to spend his money foolishly because his heart has confidence. Early in our marriage, early in our marriage, I made a conscious choice. I remember making a conscious choice several different times that I'm going to avoid anything that could, that would or could erode the confidence my wife has in me. I count, I count absolute trust in a relationship as, a, as an absolute, absolute necessity. And so in evaluating choices I could make, I could do this and I'd be okay, but it has to pass this. What will it do to Vanita? What will it do of her trust of me? Well, I bring question marks in her mind if I do this. And if it doesn't pass that, it's best not to do that because trust is absolute. Broken trust is so hard to mend. Trust takes years to build, seconds to break, and forever to repair. And here's a quote for us men or anyone. If you succeed in cheating someone... Don't think that person is a fool. Just realize that that person trusted you more than you deserved. Well, of the portrait of this woman, this portrait that God is drawing for us, she is trustworthy. He has no need of spoil. I wonder what does no need of spoil mean. I came up with two things that I could think of. It could mean uh, because... No need to spoil. Spoil is the idea of plunder. And you go, you go and you, uh, war, uh, the, the, the tribes, you know, went to, uh, fought another nation, and when they conquered the nation, they got the spoils. So it could, it could be gain or something like that. But anyhow, what I thought of, the two areas I thought of is, uh, because she is faithful, because she is diligent, because she is frugal, because she manages the house well, his finances, he doesn't need to, um, like, if you're, if you're difficulty with finance, you may be tempted to do things that you wouldn't otherwise do without that pressure. He has no need of spoil because she is a faithful taking care of the things at the home. And the other thing, it could be their marriage relationship. He will have no need of spoil. You know, this is a very dated illustration. He said, uh, why drive a VW when you have a Cadillac at home in the garage? Now, you've got to go back 30 years for that illustration to make any sense. Which one of us wants a Cadillac over a VW today? Back then, VWs were those little bugs that had some heat in the wintertime 
and they had a top speed of about 60 miles an hour, and it's a VW. Why you want to get a VW when you have a Cadillac at home, and Cadillac was the top of the line back then? And basically, the idea is, in today's world, the temptations that men and godly men face, that a very faithful wife is another layer of protection for that man. He will have no need of spoil because he has a wife that is faithful. And verse 23 that we read earlier, um, her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth with the elders in the land. That fits the proverb, behind every great man is a great woman. And I thought of John Wesley. John Wesley had a marriage, but he did not have a great wife. Their marriage was a wreck. I thought, well, that doesn't hold true. Behind John Wesley was not a great woman. Oh, yeah, yes. He had a mother. Behind John and Charles Wesley was Susanna Wesley. She was the great woman behind those great men. Proverbs 12.4 says, A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness to his bones, in his bones. And Proverbs 19.14, House and wealth are inherited from fathers. Some of you will get an inheritance from your parents. But a prudent wife is from the Lord. This is a truly blessed man who has a wife like this. She is supportive of her husband. If you look in the Proverbs, it is obvious that she is obviously aggressive. She is competent. But she still functions in a way that honors and respects her husband. She respects him and builds him up. Okay, number two, an excellent woman is industrious. An excellent woman is industrious. And we're going to read some more of these verses. Verse 13, she seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ship. She bringeth her food from afar. She rises also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considers the field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hand she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hand to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She stretches out her hands to the poor. Yea, she stretches forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household. For all her household is clothed with starlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Michael Pearl, who is an advocate of family, of country living, talks about depressed wives who live in town. He said you can put a wife in an apartment all day with a bunch of brats and give her nothing to do but keep the house, watch TV, and, uh, and with no goal and no purpose beyond the four walls of her house. He said that is a is the recipe for depression. He said that you can successfully raise a family in the city if you know, if you're aware of the, how to, using a gambling term, how the cards are stacked against you. If you're aware of that, you can actually raise a godly family in the city without a depressed wife. But as we look at the portrait here in Proverbs 31, this is not an unfulfilled woman. Neither is she depressed. She is a woman with vision and with vigor. She has come to recognize that a, a godly, a, a, as a wife, God's purpose for her is to use her intellect and her education, her management skills, her bodily strength that we see here is not to pursue a career, but to establish a home. 
sometimes we can get the idea that we're not doing anything for the Lord. Anybody ever get that idea? <laughs> Don't hands. We want to do something for God. I'm down here, out of sight, somewhere among those dirty diapers. Let me do something. Well, this woman in Proverbs 31 is doing something for the Lord. God, uh, Denny used to say she's like a fish in water. She is in her, she is in her native environment. This woman is skilled and talented. She is competent. She is obviously a manager. She has servants and helpers. She bought and sold. You can, ladies can just think garage sales. <laughs> it was her husband who was known in the gates. That means he is a public figure. He's out there in the workplace. He's out there in the ministry or wherever he's doing. He has public duties in society, but she is doing exactly what God intended for her to do. Her priorities are right. She is a successful woman, but not a successful woman in society. She's not leading a 500 fortune company, but she is leading a fortunate five, or however many she has in her home. She's nurturing them. She is the reason her husband can fulfill his God-given role. In Titus chapter 2, and verses 4 and 5, the older women were to teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husband, that the word of God be not blasphemed. You know, that was Titus. Titus was ministering in Crete. And you know what the reputation of the Cretans was, don't you? One of them was slow bellies. That simply means a lazy glutton. Now, if you have a woman who professes to be, uh, has made a profession of Christianity, she professes to be a Christian, and she hasn't shaken loose of her societal or generational curse, which he said, all Christians are that way. The poet said, they're all like that. This, this is society. Well, here you have a Christian woman who, if she hasn't shaken that loose, that she's lazy, which means that she's actually not, uh, she actually is not sober. She's actually not in control or um, disciplined. And a glutton, which will go in the same line, she brings dispro- the, uh, the reproach to God's word. Because God's word says, that when you become a Christian, you get the fruits of the Spirit, you, uh, you, uh, lots of things happen, but here you are. And if you're still a lazy glutton, why you bring uh, reproach to the Word of God? So this woman is a homemaker. I think I'm going to read this story. I was trying to decide if it happened, but uh, it came out of the, the book about house calls and hitching posts, which we got from the from the Jarrett's, I believe. Uh, it's about an Amishman and an English lady. And uh, so the Amishman is telling his doctor this story. He said, well, tell me about the English man and the cab, the English woman and the cab, the doctor said. Well, they tell me this actually happened, Doc. An English woman was pretty up in the air about all those baby calves tied to the hutches around the barn, taken from their mothers and all. So she told the farmer she had a mind to report such inhumane treatment, and the farmer should be ashamed of himself for doing all that, for doing that. Well, the farmer didn't say much and was really calm-like till she got done with her fussing. Then he says, Lady, it's like this. Them cows is career women. And we're just running a daycare center for their young ones. And Doc, she didn't have another word to say. <laughs> so, uh, you're not career women. You're workers at home. And so what does she do at home? Well, she works willingly with her hands. 
this portrait of this woman that God gave, don't overlook the word willingly. Don't overlook that word. Some cinnamon to willingly is eagerly or enthusiastically. She rises also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard or maybe a garden. I tease my wife sometimes. I tell her that the clothes in my drawer, my underwear and and the closet, the clothing, they just magically appear. I take them out, wear them, get them dirty, get them off, and they show up again. Must be like magic. And it, I don't see it happening, but week after week, month after month, year after year, there they are. Well, we know, willingly with her hands, rises up while it's still dark, feed her household. That's the portrait of an excellent wife, mother. Food is not quite the same. I can see when it gets prepared. But before she prepared it, she did inventory of the house. She had to go out, had to go do shopping, buy it, take it home, put it away, get it out, cook it, put it on the table. In 20 minutes, it's gone. And then clean up afterwards. And then do it again and again and again and again. And she does it willingly for a lifetime. Did you thank your wife or your mom lately? Clothing, another household responsibility a mother has. And reading a few more verses. She layeth her hand to the spindle and her hand holds the distaff. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Actually, silk is not correct. It would be linen. So you have shoes and socks and pants and dresses and sweaters and coats and boots. They all need to be in repair. They need to be the right size. They wear out. And they need to be put away at different seasons. All the clothing, all the household thing that gets done. And you have to do it economically. And not only that, you have to do it with a moving target because the children just keep on growing on us. So you have to meet a moving target. And I could go on and on and on. The point is this, an excellent woman is industrious. She looketh well, verse 27 says, she looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Number three, an excellent woman exhibits piety or godliness or goodness. And in verse 20 we have, she stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. Now observe, in this part of the picture, we have a picture of a woman with this part. When we talk about stretching out her hand, it's, it's, she's reaching out. She's going She's going beyond what she has to do. She's actually responding to her heart. And by her response to her heart, she's reaching out and beyond. When I was a boy, we had a tramp that came around to our house on a regular basis. In fact, there were a number of tramps back then. Because I remember my grandpa telling about a couple of tramps that couldn't sleep together in the same barn. They had a fight. They had to go to different barns to sleep. But I had a, uh, there was a tramp that came by. He walked around and went to different homes. And he walked in the lane about 10.30. You know, in time for it, we knew that he was coming, so he got him to lunch. He wanted lunch. He actually, we had a special tramp. He actually was persuaded. He was persuaded. And he tried to convince my mom that she, he was her long-lost relative. I remember them having discussions about that, and, and, and he was trying to get her to understand that he was a long-lost relative of hers. Uh, didn't quite hold out. But that was the tramp. Well, he came, and he got a meal. But to do that, we didn't actually have to reach out. He came, and we gave him a meal. That was doing good thing. But this woman... She reaches out. 
she's doing what she is able to those outside. And that can be in so many ways. It says here in, in the scripture, the poor, but it could be words of counsel. It could be words of uh, help in many different ways. And obviously, we have to remember a busy mother must, needs to take care of her duties at home. We've all heard of situations where the focus is too much outside the home and the home gets neglected. That's not what's happening here. And we don't want, the portrait is not that. But look at her heart. She exhibits piety. She, uh, she reaches out to the poor. And in verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. When she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instructions with kindness. When she speaks, she has something good to say and she gives instructions with kindness. Think of a portrait of a godly woman. Men, we're right there, aren't we? She gives instructions with kindness. <laughs> I think that could be part of a godly man's perspective too or experience. So how does she exhibit piety? Where well, her tongue is in control. Not only is it under control, but it is positively upbuilding her tongue. When she speaks, it's like spreading perfume around the room. You know, sometimes people, like me sometimes, you just wish they'd be quiet because either the what they're saying or where they're saying or how they're saying it is not upbuilding. But this woman is not. The content of what she says is good. The spirit in which she says it is good. And the result is that her words are much more effective and much more of a blessing. They're much more likely to have a good outcome. Now, the opposite of that would be trivial talk or gossip, complaining, griping, grumbling. The portrait that God has drawn us of an excellent woman does not include those characteristics. No grumbling or complaining. Now, in this portrait, there's some things missing. There's not a word said about the woman's physical characteristics. There's not anything about her skin, what color it is, whether it was smooth, whether she had freckles, what her hair was, whether it's kinky, curly, or blonde or black. Nothing about her weight, her figure, her height, nothing. Missing totally from this portrait. Because, why? That's not what makes an excellent woman. She knows that favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. But we actually do see her body in this portrait. What do we see? We see her hands. We see her arms. We see her mouth and her tongue. We see her character flowing out of her. And I'm going to just going to read certain phrases from here, and you can see what I mean. She works willingly with her hands. With the fruit of her hands, she planted a vineyard. She girded her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She layeth her hands to the, to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretches out her hand to the poor. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Young men, may I speak to you? There's some here. I'm talking about young men who aren't married. <laughs> this is the beauty you want. This is the real beauty of a woman. Her hands, her tongue, her, her arms and what she does with it, the character. The inside is the key. The outside is a bonus. Where I work, we get a quarterly safety bonus of $200 every quarter. That is, you meet certain standards, and you don't fail in certain areas, you get a bonus, $200. Do I want that bonus? Of course I want that bonus. It's an extra $200. Could 
Could I live on the bonus? Absolutely not. Beauty is a bonus. And you marry for beauty, you'll get the bonus. You will get no wages. And it's not going to work out real long. If there's no character there, it will fail. If her character is lacking, that beauty will bankrupt you. Just like it would physically. An excellent woman is not willful, headstrong, or passionate, or selfish. But is humble, respectful, dutiful, and affectionate. Well, an excellent woman is rewarded. This is number four, point number four. An excellent woman is rewarded. And I'll read Proverbs 28 to 31. Her reward, her children rise up and call her blessed, and her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Why is it that many people who win the lottery have enormous financial problems and a disproportionate number of bankruptcies? That's a known fact. Why is that? Get rich schemes. They swindle. People get swindled of their money by the thousands with quick rich schemes. Proverbs 30, uh, 13, 11 says, Wealth, and this is a different translation, Wealth from get rich schemes, get rich quick schemes, quickly disappears. But wealth from hard work grows over time. And that's the principle at work here. This woman was not working for glory, but somewhere, somewhere back there, she made some conscious choices. There were numerous options open to her as she looked at life, as young girls, young ladies look at life, there's numerous options open for you. Somewhere, she rejected the easy popular path. The easy, quick, get rich, quick path she rejected in her character. Instead, she chose the path of sacrifice and hard work and submission. Now, years later, decades later, she is reaping the rewards of her labors while her peers who chose the Get rich quick pathway are are uh, in the midst of their sorrows. While they're reaping their sorrows, she is reaping joy and recognition. You know the narrow path and the broad path that we're speaking there in the in the Sermon on the Mount. You have the broad way and yet the narrow way. Don't choose your way based on the easiness of the road. Choose your way that you're going to take by the destination that it takes you to. Look at the destination, then go that path that takes you to it. This excellent woman somewhere in the past did just that. Somewhere in the past she chose, and those two paths, by the way, the broad road that leads to destruction. The narrow road the constrained road, the narrow path, leads to life. And there's what we're talking about. But this woman did this somewhere. Now she is being rewarded while many of her former peers are reaping the whirlwind. This is for all of us. Look at your destination, then choose your way based on that. Galatians 6, verses 7 to 9. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Well, this woman, 
had reached the place where she was reaping. This woman, this excellent woman, this portrait that God has is supportive of her husband. This excellent woman is industrious. She exhibits piety. And the excellent woman is rewarded. This must be the morning for uh, 1 Corinthians 13. I have a paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 13. A mother's view of 1 Corinthians 13. And there's numerous of them out there. I don't know actually who wrote this one, but I did find this one. So let me read 1 Corinthians 13 with a paraphrase. If I talk to my children about what is right and what is wrong, but do not love them, I am like a ringing doorbell or pots banging in the kitchen. If I know what stages they will go through and understand their growing pains and answer all their questions about life and believe myself to be the devoted mother and don't love them, I am nothing. If I give up the fulfillment of my career to make my children's lives better and stay up all night sewing costumes and baking cookies on short notice, but grumble about my lack of sleep, I have not even accomplished anything. A loving mother is patient with her children's immaturity, kind even when they're not. A loving mother is not jealous about their youth, nor does she ever hold it over their heads whenever she sacrifices for them. A loving mother does not push her children into doing things her way. A loving mother is not irritable when the chicken pox have kept her confined with three whining children for two weeks. She does not resent the child who brought the affliction home in the first place. A loving mother is not relieved when her disagreeable child finally disobeys her directly so she can finally spank him. But she rather rejoices with him when he is being more cooperative. A loving mother bears much of the responsibility for her children because she believes in them. She hopes in each one's individual ability to stand out as a light in a dark world. A loving mother endures every backache, every heartache to accomplish that. And a loving mother never really dies. As for home-baked bread, it will be consumed and forgotten. As for those spotless floors, they will soon gather dust and shoe marks. And as for children, well, right now, their toys and friends and food are more important to them. But when they grow up, it will have been how their mother loved them that will determine how they love others. And in that way, a mother will live on. And so, care, training, and loving mothers reside in a home. These three, but the greatest of them is a loving mother. Amen. I don't think I can say it better than that. Then there's another rendering, faith of our fathers. It's the faith of our mothers. Faith of our mothers, Christian faith. In truth, beyond our stumbling creeds. Still serve the home and save the church. And breathe thy spirit through our deeds. Faith of our mothers, Christian faith. We will be true to thee till death. Yes, we do well to honor mothers who are the prime kingdom builders, chief soul molders, conspicuous character constructors, and foremost recruiting agents for the eternal realms above. That is mothers. Then I thought I would read a story about a mother reclassification that was put in Apples of Gold by Lorraine Eshelman, some years ago. She probably forgot that she did. A woman named Emily was renewing her driver's license in the county clerk's office, was asked by the woman recorder to state her occupation. She hesitated, uncertain how to classify herself. What I mean is, explained the recorder, do you have a job or are you just a... Of course I have a job, snapped Emily. I'm a mother. Well, we don't list mother as an occupation. Housewife covers it, said the recorder emphatically. I forgot all about her story until one day I found myself in the same situation, this time at our town hall. The clerk was obviously a career woman, poised, efficient, 
and possessing a high-sounding title like official interrogator or town register. What is your occupation, she probed. What made me say I don't know? The words simply popped out. I'm a research associate in the field of child development and human relations. The clerk paused, ballpoint pen frozen in midair, and looked up as though she had not heard right. I repeated the title slowly, emphasizing the most significant words. Then I stared with wonder as my pronunciation was written in bold black ink on the official questionnaire. Might I ask, said the clerk with new interest, just what do you do in your field? Coolly, without any trace of fluster in my voice, I heard myself replying, I have a continuing program of research, what mother doesn't, in the laboratory and in the field. Normally, I would have said indoors and out. I'm working for my master's, the whole family, and I already have four credits, all daughters. Of course, the job is one of the most demanding in the humanities. Any mother care to disagree? And I often work 14 hours a day. 24 is more like it. There was an increased note of respect in the clerk's voice as she completed the form, stood up, and personally ushered me to the door. As I stood, as I drove into our driveway, buoyed up by my glamorous new career, I was greeted by my lab assistants, ages 13, 7, and 3. Upstairs, I could hear our new experimental model, which was a six-month-old baby, in the child development program testing out a new vocal pattern. (laughs) I felt triumphant. I had scored a beat on bureaucracy, and I had scored and had gone on the official record as one as someone more distinguished and indispensable to mankind than just another mother. Motherhood, what a glorious career, especially when there's a title on the door. Does that make grandmothers senior research associates in the field of child development and human relations, and great grandmothers executive senior research associates? I think so. Also, it makes ants ants associate research assistants. So, author submitted by Lorraine Eshelman. So, may God bless you, mothers. And uh, if you feel like you don't measure up to the excellent woman in every aspect, there are many virtuous daughters, and God bless you for that.